The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Sunday, February 20th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black matt norlander is here with me if you're watching on youtube please smash that like button like your brain of davies it's right in front of you it costs you nothing and while you're here if you haven't already please go ahead and subscribe to the youtube channel it matters so please help us out with that we thank you in advance all right dead leg so here here's a peek behind the curtains for the listeners early on sunday i texted you and not group text and I was like, so, um, assuming nothing crazy happens today, what should we lead on, you think? And I don't usually ask these questions, because normally I like I have a pretty good idea of what I'd like to talk about. But it was like, eh, what do you guys think? Should it be Auburn losing again, or Kentucky winning shorthanded, or Texas Tech sweeping Texas? And if I remember correctly, it's been a long day. But if I remember correctly, um, we settled on Auburn. But then... Something crazy happened. Wisconsin beat Michigan. Nothing crazy about that. But what happened next was wild. And it led to Michigan coach Juwan Howard hitting Wisconsin assistant Joe Krabinoff with an open hand. Deadleg, this is where I'll bring you in. You wrote the column about it. Before we play the clip and discuss what happened, um, please explain to listeners what happened at the end of the game that led to the incident in the handshake line. I know we're going to go longer on this than I even want to, but it's the arguably this has become the biggest story in this in sports coming out of the weekend. I mean, we'll see. We're going in real time. What we got the all star, the all star games happening tonight, right? Like I've lost all track of everything that's going on, but I mean, this is, I think this maybe has become the biggest story in sports. So uh, I do have a column up uh, that I think literally posted minutes ago. I, I frankly haven't even read it back since I filed it to the editors, but I did talk to a couple of coaches after all this happened. And uh, what they basically said was, this was a bunch of BS, man. And what they meant by it was like, this game was done. Like, this whole thing gets avoided, period, if both of these coaches can just toss their egos to the side and end things the way that these things normally end most of the time in these games. Wisconsin had pulled away. It won. But Juwan Howard, if you really want to go to what truly started this whole thing, it is Juwan Howard when he opted to press with the game over. Wisconsin had its backups in. There's no reason to press. None. The game's done. What are you doing? Completely pointless. Juwan Howard's decision to do that. That is actually what starts this whole thing, okay? Then Greg Gard says, well, hold on a second. Like, these are my backups, and I don't want to have a turnover. Again, whatever, but Greg Gard's like, okay, you're going to do that. I'm going to do this. So he calls a timeout, 
to reset the 10 second clock to get it over the the timeline so there's not a turnover again both these things are idiotic and stupid who the f cares but you want to know why this starts it's that howard wants to press when the game is over guard calls the timeout and in the post game we're going to play it but in the post game howard said the timeout's what set him off because it wasn't necessary dude your argument caves in on itself you didn't need the press if the game was done either Completely pointless move. So both coaches are at fault. Their egos got in the way. And then we got to the post-game scuffle, you know, handshake line, all that stuff. Back to you, GP. So um, for those watching on YouTube, um, it was wild because, the you know, Andrew Catalan is signing off the way you do at the end of a CBS Sports game. And he starts to notice, like, hey, there's something happening here. Juwan Howard's, like, not in the handshake line the way a coach normally is. And I, I give everybody at CBS Sports who was making the end of that game happen credit for staying on it and recognizing um, we have a, a, a possible interesting situation here. I don't think anybody um, um, anticipated it escalating to where it escalated to, but um, I, it's tremendous that they stuck with it the way they stuck with it. Um, so for those people watching on YouTube right now, here is what it looked like. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, this is what it sounded like. 77 to 63. And Juwan Howard not going over immediately to shake hands. Now he's going to get in the line. Interesting finish here. 77. Oh, see, and they're going at it. Oh, yeah. Howard and Guard are not happy right now. As the two of them continue to have words, we told you Jawan Howard was not happy about that timeout. Yo, and Jawan Howard just threw a right hand. And now we got a scrum. We have a scrum in Madison. Players are pushing and shoving. This is an ugly scene. This is an ugly scene. Oh my God. Trying to get separated, and there's no doubt it all stems from the timeout by Greg Gard. Now, that's not an excuse for this, but that is what angered Juwan Howard, and it spilled over into this. And you saw Howard and Greg Gard nose to nose. I knew, I knew he was... I wouldn't be happy either, but there's no excuse for this. Absolutely not. Zero excuse. This cannot happen. So that's the way it played out on the CBS Sports broadcast. Obviously, after the game, Jawan Howard and Greg Gard both met with the media. First, we'll play a little bit of what John what Jawan Howard said after the game. Raising it to a point where it looked like you hit another coach in the face. What kind of happens in between to make that happen? Well, basically, uh, you know, I addressed with uh, the head coach that uh, I will remember that because of that timeout. Um, or someone to touch me, and I think that was um, very uncalled for him to touch me as we were verbalizing to communicate with one another. So uh, that's what ended up happening. That's what escalated. And then Greg Gard was also asked about it. Here is what he said after the game. Greg, congratulations on the win. Before we talk about the performance, take us through what happened after the game in your eyes. 
Well, uh, apparently he uh, didn't like that I called the timeout to, to reset the 10 second call. Because uh, we only had four seconds to get the ball over half court. And I didn't want to put my backups. I had all my bench guys in the game. I didn't want to put them in that position of scrambling with only four seconds. So I took a timeout and it got us a new 10 seconds um, and helped them you know, get organized to get the ball in. And uh, he did not like that when he came through the, the handshake line. So um, I'll leave it at that and the tape will show the rest. Well, coach, you know, you guys, you got. So I, I give both coaches credit. Um, they told the truth post game. <laughs> like they both accurately described what happened. But there is no getting around the fact that the root of this is Juwan Howard pressing at the end in the final seconds of a blowout. Because like you, I've had countless coaches, even athletic directors, reach out to me. Um, you know, since this happened um, via text that I can get on my computer. If you tried to call, I can't answer your phone call right now. We'll get to that later. Uh, but uh, text messages um, have been uh, plentiful. And everybody says, like, listen, either the game's over or it's not. And the coach on the wrong end of a blowout, it's up to him. Either the game's over or it's not. If you want to just let this clock play out, we're happy to let just let this clock play out. You see it all the time in basketball. Um, hey, we're not going to – we're done. We're not guarding you anymore. Now you dribble at the clock. Sometimes you'll even see coaches commit a turnover, like let a shot clock um, – let, let, like let the shot clock run out and just give the ball back to you rather than take a shot. Now some other coaches aren't into that anymore because it plays into – um, you know, your computer numbers and, and they're, they don't like that. But for the most part, once the team on the wrong end of it says, hey, OK, this is over, then it's over. But if you want to keep playing, we're going to play. That seems to be the prevailing message from coaches I've talked to. And so when Juwan Howard says, yeah, the, w w um, we're down big, we're not coming back and winning this game, but we're going to press your backups and make things hard for them. Well, now. If you're the coach on the other side, it is totally within your right to do whatever you got to do to make this situation better. And Greg felt like he needed to call a timeout in that moment. The timeout set Jawan off, but Jawan pressing is what created uh, the situation where Greg calls the timeout. So that leads to, okay, final buzzer handshake line. And it is true. Undeniably, like Greg said, the tape will tell the rest of the story. It is true that Greg did put his hands on Jawan Howard. There's no getting around that. Um, from my perspective, what that looked like to me was after Jawan clearly pulled his mask down and said what he said, which is, I'll remember that shit. Uh, Greg stopped him to say, ho, ho, ho. Like, let me explain to you why I called that timeout. I don't. I didn't interpret that as Greg putting his hands on Jawan Howard as much as let, let me stop. Hey, stop right here. Let's talk about this. Let me explain this to you. But that said, I can understand why Jawan might have interpreted that way. And then obviously things escalated from there. I do not know what Joe Krabenhoff said to take it to another level because mm -hmm. he clearly said something like whatever. However mad Jawan was at Greg. He didn't take a swing at Greg. He took a swing at Joe. And so Joe had to say something to set that off. At this point, I don't think we know what that was. But I, 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 I think most people are going to agree with this. Unless it was way over the line, 
racial slur, something like that. There's just no explanation for a college basketball coach taking a swing at another college basketball coach. This is how outlandish it is. My brother, bless his heart, knows nothing about college basketball. He doesn't follow it. He doesn't, I, I don't, I, I doubt he's ever heard this podcast. He knows nothing about college basketball. He loves NASCAR. He's watching the Daytona 500. Even he texted me and was like, yo, what is going on with these basketball coaches? And he was like, is this normal? Is this a normal thing? How often does something like this happen? And I said, this never happens <laughs> because, because it never, it never happens. This is a wild scene. Well, it's not that it never happened. We get like. There's a dust up every so often in the handshake line, but to this level, yeah, obviously this is not common. Inform your brother appropriately. So here we are. Uh, I want to know what crap. Now I texted Krabbenhoff and I said, you know, checked in. I told him I was writing a column. He deferred any kind of comment. He's like, I'm just going to let Greg Garden, our AD, handle this. So I have no comment. I because I I told him I was like, I'm going to write about this and I'm going to say in the column that I want to know what you said. And he's didn't offer that. So I don't know what he said or what he did. He's in the middle. Like he's maybe talking to Howard. There's a player there as well. I don't know what prompted this. That's still the great unanswered thing as we record this shy of eight Eastern here on Sunday night. Maybe if you're listening to this podcast at some point on Monday or even Tuesday, perhaps we have an answer to that question by that point. Can't read the future. Don't know what that's going to entail. Uh, guards not completely off the hook here. I get what you're saying. Cause Howard tries to do the blow by. Right. He gives guard. He he Howard. He he has to say something, so he says it. And then Greg wants to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, hold on here. Greg touches him first. Now Howard immediately points at him and gets right up in guard too. So it's it's right like that. But but guard touches touches him first. And then uh, there's a video I tweeted out. We're not going to play it on the podcast because it's a, a ton of profanity. You can hear Juwan Howard saying, "Don't effing touch me!" Like five times in a row, and you can clearly understand why Juwan Howard doesn't want. It's not that Juwan Howard is afraid of Greg Gardner or anything like that. Just get your hands off of him. And and guards trying to almost calm Howard down. That that point has long since passed. Guard was just as see the thing I have an issue with guard is is in his post game presser he tried to frame it as though he was calmly trying to explain to Juwan Howard that he was trying to reset the clock one he wasn't calmly trying to do anything everyone's seen the video and two that's also not giving Howard enough credit there was a timeout Juwan Howard doesn't know the rule I think Phil Martelli then at the very least knows the rule but to assume that Juwan Howard doesn't know the rule I think doesn't give Howard nearly enough credit so you have all that then Krabenhoff gets into the picture what he says I don't know Juwan Howard deserves a lengthy suspension that is that is undeniable but a point in my column is this is not all on Juwan Howard it's just not he's at the center point of it what he did you can't have happened this is now the second incident in two years he's had a confrontation with another coach last year was Mark Turgeon in Maryland it wasn't nearly as bad as this I don't want to say we have a pattern uh, developing because I don't think that two times in two years is necessarily a pattern. The next time it happens, I would say it's a pattern. The next time it happens, perhaps Juwan Howard would be fired in that instance. I don't think that Juwan Howard should be fired. I do think he should face a lengthy suspension. If you told me he was sat for the rest of the regular season, I wouldn't have any issue with it. You cannot have this, obviously. And what makes it even worse for Juwan is when he went into the press conference, he didn't have any kind of contrition. He had none. I'm literally getting a, a text from a head coach in the Big Ten right now saying, I'm listening to your podcast. Thank you. Thank you to what we're talking about with this topic altogether, because obviously, like this has lit the conference on fire. Juwan Howard needs to be held responsible for what he did. You cannot be swiping at another. He assaulted Joe Krabenhoff. Now, I don't know what Joe said. I don't know what he said. That could be a very important component to this. But to talk like Greg Gard is not at least partly responsible. And then Howard ignites 
there were players on both sides that that had closed fist punches that that threw. Okay, not uh, that that I don't know. I just I I I doesn't sit well with me that this is suddenly just all on Jawan Howard because he was the one that really struck first. I get it. He deserves a a, a serious. Uh, serious punishment, but it's just it's just not all on him. If Greg Gard had let him just go by, just take the win, man. Just take the win. You're at home. Let him walk by. Let let Howard say his piece. You don't need to stop him and say, here's the deal, man. In fact, if you call a timeout, the 10-second rule resets, and I wanted to get across. Like, they were both pissed off. And again, if they just didn't have that nonsense at the end of the game, we wouldn't have had this to begin with there. So, um I don't know. It just the whole thing is is ugly, and I I can I could see it playing out in real time that everyone was going to lay this at Jawan Howard's feet. I'm just not there. I can't get there. I'm not saying that Greg Gard needs to face the same exact suspension length as Jawan Howard or anything like that. But to, to to think that this was all on Michigan and only on Michigan and all only on Howard, I think is inaccurate. I just do. I, I Howard is that's highly problematic, and the fact that he did not apologize at all for that after the game is stunning to me. He knows what he did was wrong. His own boss came out, basically put out a statement refuting what Howard was saying. And I think he's going to face a serious punishment there. But I think let's just be fair to what happened. We can see the entire video. That other video uh, that was sent out, I want to get the reporter's name right here. So let me just say it real quick. I tweeted it out. I want to make sure I get his full name correct because he was right there. It's actually really good journalism. Pablo Iglesias. He is right on these two dudes as this all goes down there. And... I, I, it's not guard trying to de-escalate the situation. That's all I'll say. Krabenhoff makes it even worse. I don't know what he says. Uh, Howard's got to be held responsible for his actions. There's no doubt about it. But um, I don't want to make this purely binary and simplistic because I think it's more than just Howard connecting and throwing an open face, mush, hand slap, however you want to define it on Krabenhoff. I, um, like I, I heard from one coach tonight who said, and he, he explained a, a similar situation he was in this season in the sense that his team was on the wrong side of a blowout. It's the final seconds. Like, Hey, we're not playing Let's just, let's let this clock run out. And the other team banged home a three on him. And he was like, you know, that, that was unnecessary because you're exactly right. When Juwan says the timeout was necessary, the comeback to that is the pressing was unnecessary. Like the timeout was unnecessary. Gotcha. But what you were doing that caused the, the timeout that was also unnecessary. And by the way, I've heard a little bit of like Juwan saying he wasn't pressing. Dudes were up 94 feet under the basket guarding them. Okay. If you don't want to find whatever the hell that was, it's true. Press, it's all semantics. They were, they were, they were playing them like it was John Chaney. Okay. They were, they were defending him under the basket. So guard has the right to do it. Shouldn't have gotten to that point. So uh, this coach said, listen, we're on the wrong end of a blowout. It's the final seconds. Like, let's just, let's, let's, let's end this. And the other team, you know, they got their subs in and they bang home a three at the end. And the coach said, yeah, you know, that was unnecessary. And he said, I was a little pissed about it. But I just, I think the phrasing he used is, I just took my ass whipping and, and, and kept it moving, you know. And that is what I think most coaches would tell you you're supposed to do in that spot. Do the blow by handshake, keep your mouth shut, and, and take your ass whipping and be done with it. So... Perhaps that's what Jawan should have done rather than pull his mask down and say, I'm going to remember that, uh, you know, to, to Greg. And obviously, I think with the benefit of hindsight, at the very least, Greg should have just kept it moving. Hey, we just we just beat Michigan on CBS. Let Jawan Howard pop off. It, you know, we're good. Keep it moving. 
In that moment, though, and you can say he's wrong if you want to. It's fine with me. I don't. I'm just saying in that moment, perhaps I'm, I, I can only see this through my own eyes. But if I thought the other guy was out of line first, pressing my backups in at the end of a game that's already decided, and that's the only reason I call the timeout that he's mad about, and then he wants to pop off at me, my instincts would be, hey, yo, yo, man, you caused this. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, you're mad at me? I didn't want to call a timeout, but you're going to press my backups. Now I'm going to call it. Once you're going to keep playing, I'm going to keep playing. And in that spot, the best thing for me to do as a coach to help my players that are on the court is to call that timeout and reset the 10-second clock. Like, you want to pop off at me? You're the one that caused all this. I was happy to let the game be over. But you want to go 94 feet on my guys? Well, now I'm going to do what's best for my my, uh, my guys. With the benefit of hindsight, sure, it would have caused uh, – it would have saved us all. We'd be talking about Auburn right now if Greg would have just kept it moving. And we'll get there, yeah. But when Jawan Howard is going to pop off at me, if I'm Greg Gard in that moment, if he's going to pop off at me, the my instincts are to, what? You're going to remember what? You're pressing my backups. Game's already decided. So what did I do? Call a timeout? That's what you're mad about? How about this? Deal? Don't press my backups when the game's already decided. I won't call a timeout that'll aggravate you. I, you could say Greg Gard should have just kept it moving and, and not say anything, and I and I'll agree with you. But is that what most people would do? It's not what I would do. I, I just don't. Gard tried to reframe the situation in the press conference after after he had cooled down. That was also just the other thing. But yes, like just <laughs> just the the machismo involved in all this, I thought was just a, a was just a joke. Now I do. I want to just. I want to loop in. I want to loop in Nada real quick here because we talked briefly before we started this podcast and he had an interesting point of view. Nada as our producer, if anyone's watching or listening uh, and listen, this is such a big event. I, I think we will have people listening to this podcast that maybe haven't listened in a long time or coming to the first time. Nada, uh, Nada Edwards produces this podcast. Nada, what is your interpretation of what you saw or at least your reaction to how this story has played out over the past few hours? At least to start this and thank you for looping me in on this. But the first thing I come to, like, Greg Gard is just as, and Norlander, you've been on this, Greg Gard is just as responsible for this as Juwan Howard is. Because after the third time you get told, do not touch me, like, that, it's on at that. You have to listen. It's either that. Second thing is, I really want to know what Krabenhoff said. Right. Because there are very few things, even in the heat of passion, that will get me to at least mush you, let let alone start a fight. So I really, I think we honestly have to figure out what was said there. And then the third one, and I know you disagree with this one, Norlander, a kid, none of the student athletes that threw punches or anything else should be facing a suspension on this. This was mishandled from the adults, by, by the adults from jump. I'm okay with none of the kids receiving the suspensions. Let the coaches take all the hits on this. And let's move on, move forward. I, yeah, I, I, I will say this. Um, okay. um, like on the long list of reasons a head coach can't do something like this is because your players are going to follow you. Like once you throw the first whatever that was, slap, mush, punch, open-handed, whatever, once you go that, once you take it there, your your 19 and 20 year olds are taking it there. And now you've got this ugly scene that could have obviously 
um, gotten a lot worse than 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 what it was. But what it was was undeniably bad. And so that's the other reason you just cannot have a coach go there. Because once you take it there, like if a if one player takes it there, it might not everybody might not be be on board with it. But once you see your coach take it there, now it's on. And what you saw in the subsequent moments was evidence of that. I, I do think not as accurate in the sense that what on earth did Joe say that took that set Juwan off like that? Because this all started like Jawan Howard might not even know who he is. Right. And I want to be clear that I'm, we're, I'm not accusing Joe Krabenhoff of saying something completely inappropriate. We just don't know. I'm not, I'm not accusing him of saying anything. I have no idea what I he know, said. I, I want to know what prompts that kind of response out of Jawan. That's Howard. that's the thing, because there is nothing Greg Gard did or said that made Jawan Howard want to smack him. But right. Joe Krabenhoff said something that made Jawan Howard want to smack him. And I, I, I don't know what that was, but it's got to be. Juwan was mad at this guy. Wait, like, have you ever been in an altercation? Like, it, it's a, you, you're mad at this guy right in front of you. What does this guy over here got to say to make you turn your attention over there and pop him? I have no idea, but it's got to be, it, it's got to be something. I don't know. Um, and that, no, not a. Well, I, I highly disagree. The players have to be suspended. If you, if there is, there is players closed fists throwing punches on video. The league will not stand for that. So yeah, I, yeah, they're so going to, they're going to the be adults, suspended. The adults absolutely made this. They instigated the situation. They made it worse. And once Howard went after Krabenhoff, then it was suddenly on. And like Michigan, they're in this game. Like they're trying to get into the tournament. The season been disappointed. These guys are pissed. And then suddenly, like it is the just brutal concoction of a loss. Highly competitive environment. They just kicked your tail. They pulled away at the end. You see your head coach, the guy you talk with, the, the guy that leads you every day. It, he suddenly throws a hand, and and then you feel like you just want to get out some some frustration. I, I get it, but they they're, they're going to be suspended. I don't know how long, and I don't know which. You know which player specifically will get that, but you got you got to sit players if they throw punches. Like there's just you cannot not do that. It 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 would set a brutal precedent. My biggest question is how much how much of a punishment will those players get versus Howard? And then I don't anticipate I don't anticipate guard will face a suspension of any kind. Um, but I hear what you're saying. I I do hear what you're saying on that, Nada. And there are certain perspectives that, frankly, um. Harris and I don't have that we need to be uh, empathetic to and respectful of. So I wanted to give you voice to that as well, because I think that's also an important component of the confrontation and how it played out. Yeah, I would assume Greg Gard faces no real punishment. Let's let's define the 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 baseline of punishment at a suspension. I would imagine Greg Gard gets no suspension. Um, the players who threw punches on video, they're going to face a suspension. And Jawan oh. Howard's going to face a suspension. Um I think it stopped short of termination, although there were plenty of people, even like legitimate media, not, you know, not just randoms, but people who have real jobs in media saying that he should be terminated um, for what he did. I I'll stop short of that. I don't like. Uh, I'm um, not there. Yeah, I'm not yeah there. I don't like throwing around termination for for one bad moment, although I recognize like. By definition, one bad moment could lead to life in prison, right? Um, you know, not, not as it relates to this, but I'm just saying there's a lot of people in prison who are there for one bad moment, one bad decision. I'm just – I'll stop short of Jawan Howard should be fired. I, I'm not going to go there. But does he deserve to be punished in some way? Yes. And I'm, I'm assuming he will. And the fact that 
um, his athletic director pretty quickly came out with a statement that wasn't really trying to, you know, weave here and weave there. It was like, hey, I don't the statement more or less was I'm paraphrasing here, but like whatever led to this led to this. There's no excuse. I got it. There's no excuse for that. I'll let Court you. Manual says there is no excuse for any of our staff or student athletes to get into a physical altercation with others, regardless of instigating factors. I reached out and apologized to Chris McIntosh and President Coleman. They're with Wisconsin. Uh, and President Coleman has reached out to the UW Chancellor Blank to apologize for the totally unacceptable behavior. We will review the situation more thoroughly and work with the Big Ten Conference as they determine their disciplinary, disciplinary actions. And we'll determine if any further disciplinary actions are needed. Ward Manual is, of course, exactly right. Side note, hello to everyone new to the Ion College Basketball YouTube chat. Where you guys been, man? We got some fun episodes on the regular here. So it's great to see everyone so well behaved, too. Wow, this is an amazing thing we've got going on on YouTube right now. We all encourage very healthy, friendly, respectful dialogue. Thank you for stopping by. That's about all I got on this, Parish. I, th- I think we'll get something in an official capacity on Monday. Um, hell, maybe we'll get something late Sunday, but I, b- I bet you the Big Ten comes down on this on Monday. Michigan's next game is at home against Rutgers on Wednesday. That's when we'll get all disciplinary, disciplinary action. Oh, by the way, Michigan's next four games are all at home. Yeah, I would I would think the Big Ten acts pretty swiftly here. I mean, it, everything's on video. We've got pretty good audio. Uh, they're probably going to want to know what Joe Krabenow said, but it, it should be noted. It's not like Jawan post game tried to justify what he did by saying, you should have heard what this guy said to me or what this guy, like he didn't go there at all. So, you know, we, perhaps we'll find out. Maybe it'll be a mystery forever. Um, but I, it seems clear to me, Jawan Howard, whatever the punishments are when they are levied, uh, the the most severe is going to be, um, aimed in the direction of, of Jawan Howard. I'd be shocked if that's not the case. So Wisconsin-Michigan wasn't the only thing that happened this weekend, although it feels like it. We'll get into some other things next. First, though, a word from our sponsors. Come on. Back on Paramount Mountain, where entertainment lives. Look, amigos. Cave paintings of all who live here. Are you ready, kids? Ah! I always do this. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So, dead leg. The first bracket reveal was yeah. Saturday morning. Live on CBS, America's most watched network, network of stars. Gonzaga was the number one overall seed. Any surprises among the selection committee's top 16 seats? Uh, man, that feels like five days ago. Uh, surprises? Uh, like genuine surprises? No, I, I, I didn't think so. Uh, quick question to you before I answer yours. I'm going to fire it right back at you. I saw that you tweeted out your top 16 matched the committees. I know that's not in order. What was, if you happen to know it, what was the biggest spot discrepancy? It couldn't have been more than one or two, I would think. No, it was actually uh, fairly significant, but it was interesting. Their top 16 is my top 16 as of Saturday morning. Like I tweeted the top 25 on one Saturday morning, like I do every morning. And the first 16 schools were the first 16 schools um, for them as well. So it's just sort of funny. Every morning I get somebody most mornings, uh, several somebody telling me I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm an idiot and I'm biased. <laughs> and uh turns out like I pretty much got it. And and uh, the, the reason is because I rank teams and we've talked about this before. Uh, there's a, a million different ways to rank teams. You can put an emphasis on, you know, any number of things, but I pro- try to prioritize body of work. Other things matter, injuries, how you've been playing lately, computer numbers, all that stuff. But I try to, especially this deep into the season, prioritize body of work. So every year, the first bracket reveal and my top 25 and one lines up pretty well. And this year it was 16 of 16. But I did have them in slightly different order. And the biggest discrepancy, Baylor. I thought Baylor at five is a little high based on the way they had been playing, um, based on they just lost a key rotation player. Um, like I, I have Baylor as a three seed right now, and they had Baylor as the best number two. I, I'm, not something I'd scream and fight about. You know how much I love Baylor. But I was surprised that Baylor – the biggest surprise for me was that Baylor was number five. I w- So I – going in, I, I did – when I got to the studio on Saturday uh, at HQ, I kind of scratched out or typed out what I thought the 16 order. I had Baylor at seven, so they weren't like a huge surprise. I just thought they would value the high-end wins there. Uh, where do you have Baylor right now in your rankings? I think 12. 12. Oh, wow. Okay. So there we go. So, yeah, that actually is a fairly big discrepancy. Um, th- These rankings are now obsolete, but I'm still going to read them off real quick with the results. Gonzaga – was one, it won. Auburn was two, it lost. We'll get to that. Arizona was three, it won. Kansas was four, it won. Baylor was five, it won. Kentucky was six, it won. Purdue was seven, it won. Duke was eight, it won. Nova was nine, it won. Texas Tech was 10, it won. Tennessee was 11, it lost. Illinois was 12, it won. Wisconsin was 13. Did Wisconsin win? UCLA was 14, it won. Providence was 15. Providence won! As all of this is happening, and oh, by the way, with Wisconsin and Michigan, Providence came back from 19 down at Butler to win. It was the largest comeback in, uh, since Ed Cooley had gotten to Providence. They won again. They did it again, man. It was incredible. I didn't see any of it. At, like at Once it was like two minutes to go in the game, I was toast. So don't know what happened. Providence fans, congrats. Your team won. It was 15th overall in the seed line, and then Texas was 16. Texas, of course, 
lost at home to Texas Tech. Overall, fine. Like, you know, uh, informative, helpful. Uh, history shows that literally every year we've done this, three of the four teams that are on the one line in February are on the one line on Selection Sunday. That would have even also been the case almost certainly in 2020. The three of the four projected one seeds when the tournament got axed were, uh, were the same three from February. And then you'll have like three or four that might swap out, drop out. So that could be Texas might not be on the four line when we get to selection Sunday. We'll see what happens with, you know, I don't know. Wisconsin got the win. Maybe not. Maybe actually I'm looking at this now, Parrish, like maybe Tennessee, I don't know, maybe Texas, but I feel like a lot of these teams have done a lot. Now a lot can still happen. We we've got like what, like, you know, 600 games still to go or whatever. Um, overall in men's college basketball before we get to conference tournaments. But uh, I was intrigued by this. So a couple more notes. One, Auburn going to the Midwest instead of the South. You know why that is? How about this? Chicago by mileage is closer to Auburn's campus than San Antonio, Texas. Kind of surprising, right? Um, I, I will say that as I was watching the bracket reveal and they said, and in the South region or uh, no, in Auburn, they pop up Auburn. And then they were like, uh, what was it? Midwest? Midwest. Yeah. yeah I was like, why isn't Auburn in the South? And you just yeah. told us. There you go. Chicago's technically closer. And so that's why Auburn went to uh, one in the Midwest. Uh, the most, int- I, I like the West the most Gonzaga, Duke, Illinois, Texas, but the East having Kansas, Kentucky, and Villanova all going to Philly with, oh, by the way, Wisconsin, which is like second in quad one wins in the country right now. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, that that's you know that was my primary uh takeaway first impressions it was interesting to see this come out and then auburn all of what three and a half hours later if that take a loss um against florida when jabari smith had 28 auburn still projects as a one seed at this moment that loss doesn't knock him off the one line uh but it would at right now i think we can accurately say that it's gonzaga and then arizona and then if you want to debate Auburn or Kansas, you can. I think actually still Auburn would be there. I would have Auburn at third overall and then KU at four. Yeah, um, I mentioned how Baylor had been playing. Um, but, you know, they, they obviously got another win on Saturday. But at the time the bracket reveal was happening, Baylor was three and three in its past six games with um, a season-ending injury to, you know, a rotation player who played, I believe, around 22 minutes per game. Um, so that's why I do have them lower and would have had them lower than um, the selection committee. But whatever. Uh, again, um, I, I didn't think there was anything too crazy there. Um, I did think it was interesting that, you know, Houston was, you know, has been a top 10 team most of the season and they got completely left out. And I think that was right. You know, Houston, um, as of yesterday, had zero quadrant one wins. Now they got a a, a, a quadrant one win on Sunday in a wild finish, um, but uh, they didn't have one as of Saturday, so I thought that made sense. Anyway, uh, like, sucks too many. Um, I thought they did a, a, a the, first, the the top 16 looked pretty good to me. I can't uh, I can't disagree. You want to tour around and talk about these results here? Yeah, so um, just some big bullet point stuff yeah. uh, from the weekend. Auburn um, is now 2-2 two and two in its past four games. Um, after that loss at Florida on Saturday, Kentucky rallied from 13 down to beat Alabama without Ty Ty Washington and Xavier Wheeler. Um, when they went 13 down, I was like, okay, well, this is what they look like without their starting backcourt. And then they just put on a show the rest of the way. Oscar Sheepway was excellent again. Texas Tech completed the regular season sweep of Texas. And did you hear it? Somebody tweeted audio. Um, like uh, iPhone footage from inside the arena. 
when Chris Beard got introduced inside the Irwin Center, you could hear it felt like you could hear more booze. Really? Than, than cheers. Yes. Okay. He got, he got booed at home by the Texas Tech fans that showed up at the Irwin Center, so that was something. Like you mentioned, Providence came from 19 down to win at Butler. Illinois won at Michigan State. I'll let you take it wherever you want to take it. I will right, we'll start with those, and then we'll tour around elsewhere. Um, Texas Tech, how about this? So they get the sweep of Texas, only strengthen their credentials at this point. I was looking uh, after we did this highlight on Saturday. Um with Keem Dermish, uh, the host uh, of that uh, of that uh, marathon afternoon, great stuff working with him. We noticed uh, here's Texas Tech at Oklahoma or home versus Oklahoma at TCU, home versus Kansas State at Oklahoma State. The, right now, Texas Tech is twenty one and six. Mark Adams has a better start through twenty seven games than any coach in Texas Tech history. He's you know Chris Beard did things that had never been done in Texas Tech before. Well, now Mark Adams already has done that, right? So it's viable that the Red Raiders could be twenty five and six going into the big 12 tournament. If they do that, they'll have four losses in the league ledger. They're probably not catching Kansas, which has two Baylor also has four, but TTU could be a two seed in the big 12 tournament. I actually think it's got an outside shot, maybe even better than that at being a two seed overall. There's no outright bad loss on the schedule. It just has losses on the road to teams that might not make the tournament. Oklahoma won't spend too much time on the Sooners, but Oklahoma's now 14 and 13 and it, didn't win on the road. It wasn't even competitive against Iowa State. And then there's a road loss for Texas Tech against Kansas State. So those aren't teams that don't seem to be going to the NCAA tournament, but they're still quad one results. There's no bad loss for Texas Tech overall. And again, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's, you know, Mark Adams has just done a, done a phenomenal job. So I don't want to harp here. I just would put him, I would go Tommy Lloyd one. Ed Cooley rallying from 19 down to win at Butler. He's number two. I guess he's number two in my coach of the year. I really think I might go Adams three, Bruce Pearl four, top four coach of the year candidate. And then Calipari might be five for me. I thought that might be my five off the top of my dome coach of the year, you know, top five list right now. I don't know if you agree, disagree, or have any other thoughts on that, but uh, but good win for the Red Raiders. I'd probably vote Ed Cooley coach of the year right now. Tommy Lloyd, Mark Adams in some order. The next two. Um, I mean, what Ed's doing with this Providence team is incredible. And I know that Tommy and Mark both inherited good situations, but they've made them great. You know, you can't say that you knew Texas Tech was going to be this good unless you had Texas Tech being this good in the preseason. And you can't say you knew Arizona would be like, you know, a, a number one seed unless you had them projected that way in the preseason. Um, just because they inherited nice situations doesn't mean that. They haven't done incredible jobs to get those places where they're at right now. And it's wild to look at. Um, it'll be the AP poll on Monday, uh, the top 25 and one right now. One Gonzaga, mm -hmm. Mark Few Zags, two Arizona, Tommy Lloyd's Wildcats. It's just sort of wild that it's it's Mark and his longtime assistant at the tip top of the sport right now. Agreed. He's done, uh, he's done a great job. Auburn losing 63-62. Lemon what booty. Was, what was when? What was Wendell doing? Uh, hold on. There's a lemon booty situation going all around here because Florida Ooh. had the game more well in hand, and then it was just trying to give it away. Just give it away. How about the stat of the weekend? Walker Kessler did not have a block in this game. Stunning. Did not have a block. Colin Castle didn't play damn well. He had 19 points, eight boards, three blocks himself, a pair of steals. They needed him to come up big. Tyree Appleby scored 26, including a huge three that they wound up needing there. 
Uh, Auburn takes, you know, it takes a loss. Has not, you you heard the stat, right? Like, I also tweeted out, I can't trivia time you here. Like, the stat with Auburn's drought at the O-Dome. You're aware of it? I Trivia time! Okay, ask it. Let's see if I can get this. Get it within two years. You're, it's, it's right if you get it within two years. Last time Auburn won at Florida was what year? Last time Auburn won at Florida. Oh, boy, I bet it's been a while. I, um, let me preface by saying I have no idea. I didn't hear this. Okay. Um, I'm going to go 2002. 1996. A man named Daniel Werfel was tossing the pigskin for the Gators and the old ball coach. I remember the Daniel That's how long ago it's been. That's how long it's been since Auburn won at Florida. That's that's. Frankly, it's mind-boggling. The streak still continues there. Florida, in getting the win, resuscitates its NCAA tournament case. 17-10 and 10 now. Just a mammoth win. Florida's got another good one on a neutral over Ohio State. And then elsewhere, there's just not a lot. So this was, this was significant. Gators next have Arkansas on Tuesday night. I win that and then we'll start talking Florida fans but I thought that was pretty uh I thought that was pretty significant Kentucky winning without its starting backcourt well let's, and- let's 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 start let's start, let's sit on Auburn for a second cuz oh, you got more okay I didn't well, I didn't well, know yeah. Florida Florida was up 7 with 91 seconds left and almost gave the game away like Auburn had the ball 7 and a half seconds down a point yes yes the interesting thing about Auburn or among the interest or just a, a noticeable thing about Auburn tell me how many other teams you could say this about might be done in terms of national title contenders. Their two best players are not end of game players. Like, uh, like you can't just like, throw the ball to either one of them and say, go make a play. I, Jabari. No, you don't he doesn't bounce like, it. He doesn't really he bounce. Can do, it. He can do some. Now they couldn't get him the ball in that play. And he wasn't even trying to get the ball. I don't know why that was weird. The whole game was weird that we've been waiting on Jabari Smith to have like the kind of game he had. And then Auburn loses it. And then they didn't even get him. the. I got to have him. I got to have him taking the shot, but they did. They couldn't get it to him. It was a weird spot and all that stuff. The, 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 the problem him. is the problem is for him to get a shot there. It's almost got to be a pick and pop. Like he, like you cannot, like you can throw the ball to Paulo Bancaro and say, "Now go, go win the game." Mm-hmm. You can't really throw the ball to Jabari Smith and say, "Go make a play." He's not, he's not a put it on the floor guy right now. I, I saw this stat a week ago, maybe, and I, I apologize, I cannot remember where I saw it or who said it, but it was interesting um, that he had made. I might be slightly off of the numbers, but the the point, the the sentiment's true. It was like he had made 42 jumpers in the SEC. Yeah. Like jump shots with 43 dribbles. He does not bounce it. He catches and shoots. That's a good stat, my man. I was unaware. It, it was something like that. So I, it, it's wild when you're watching the end of that game. It's like, well, how do you not get the ball to Jabari Smith? He's the number one pick of the draft, maybe. And the reason is because you can't just throw it to him. Um, and say, go make a play, because that's not really what he does right now. And then the other best player is Walker Kessler. And you don't really throw the ball to a 7-1 seven, seven, big, um, you know, and th- that is just a, it was a tough, it was a tougher situation for Bruce Pearl and for Auburn than I think it, it, it appeared on a surface level. And so the interesting thing about Auburn is that they've got these two 
incredible talents in Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. And yet in that moment, you probably have to rely on Wendell Green or Katie Johnson to make you a play. And those guys can both make plays. They have done it this season. But boy, when they don't, it's like triple frustrating for Auburn fans because your instincts are to say, why is that the person (laughs) who's got the ball in his hands at the end of the game? But it's, and I'm not like, and I cannot defend well done great. He like, he was determined to take a shot, but he didn't take it when he had it. And then he couldn't get it. And then he was like, let me throw it to Walker and we can get it there. And even if Kessler would have caught it clean, I don't think he'd have been able to get a shot up in time. It was a disaster of a final possession. But, you know, for those people who are just saying there's seven and a half seconds left, get it to, you know, side out of bounds, get it to Jabari Smith and let him go. He's not really built to do that right now. I'm eager to see the Auburn experience in the NCAA tournament and what exactly they do in those spots there. Uh, Because statistically, Jabari Smith is a very reliable mid-range, long-range shooter, but it's about getting him those shots and getting him to be successful in that spot. Kentucky doesn't have its starting backcourt. I think Alabama opened this game 9 of 12 from three-point range, Parrish. I don't like... I, I. I don't know how much you caught of this in real time or whatever, but I was I was at the green room in HQ, so I had all the games on, and I was just fixing on what Alabama was doing. I at one point I thought, is this really going to happen? Like, are we going to be talking? Are we going to? I I I really thought, are we going to lead the Sunday podcast? Little did I know, with Alabama beating Kentucky by like eighteen on the road, when Kentucky was shorthanded, didn't exactly go that way. I, I don't have much here on UK other than to say. You have to still continually put this team on the short of all short list. I'm talking top three, top four, most likely national champion uh, contenders for what it's able to do. It's not at full strength. It gets another, like, just an, oh, by the way, Oscar Sheebway, just like, yeah, cool, um, 21 and 14. That do it for you? And, and meanwhile, like, Jacob Toppin played well. Kellen Grady went off for 25 points. Keon Brooks had a good game with 18 They've got all this experience. It's a different kind of Kentucky team. So, you know, don't need to wax poetic too much. I just wanted to at least mention the fact, like, I, I feel like we can take it for granted. They got down big against a tournament team that's beaten quality opponents, was on fire, and then, like, they're down 13, and then Kentucky, they just flipped it without their starting backcourt. A lot of teams can do that. So I just wanted to give them a little, little love. Any thoughts on that or keep going? Yeah, well, if you're John Calipari now, pretty clear to me, don't play them to their healthy. I agree. Like you, your guys know that they can win without them now. Um, even if you take a loss because you don't have them, it's not that big of a deal. What is more important, being a two seed instead of a three or having Ty Ty Washington, Sevier Wheeler completely healthy for the NCAA tournament? If, if the difference between those guys coming back early and not coming back until they're 100% healthy is a seed line, fine, drop me. Drop me to a three, drop me to a four. You know, maybe you could get a, a one if they came back now, or you might be a two otherwise. I, let me be a two then. I want my guys healthy at the start of the NCAA tournament. I think John is on the same page with that. I think he understands that. I think it's why he set them both out on Saturday. And I don't think you'll see either one of them come back until they're ready to go because I'm with you. When that team is healthy, they're good. They're good when they're unhealthy. But when they are healthy, um, you know, it reminds me, and it's more of a modernized version of this, and I'm not comparing it in, in, in any way other than the way I'm, I'm about to describe it. I remember those back-to-back Florida teams that won national titles, and they just they were 
they weren't the most talented from an NBA perspective, although they had like, you know, I think Torian Green even got a cup of coffee in the NBA. But like Corey Brewer obviously played Al Horford, Joe Kim. They had NBA players, they're real talented. But more than that, it was just a well-constructed college basketball team. You know, they had a point guard who could score, a real shooter right behind it, right beside him. You know, Corey Brewer was this, you know, lockdown wing defender. You had two really good bigs. You know, fast forward all these years, you really don't want two bigs like that anymore. I mean, you can figure it out, I guess, but you don't want them. It's not the way basketball is played anymore. But this Kentucky team, like you've got one incredible big. You've got a modernized four, multiple ball handlers on the court when healthy at all times, multiple shooters on the court at all times. Just a really well-constructed, you know, John over the years has had some super talented Kentucky teams that weren't well-constructed. It's just like, we got five five stars. Now let's figure out how to get them to play together. This team was put together with like, uh, it, it appears with a real purpose. Um, it's well put together. Um, it, it feels like he knew these are the things that I need to win with at a high level. Um, and so let me find those things, multiple point guards, multiple shooters, an incredible big, and then give him space. Don't play another big with him. You know, give him space to be what he can be. I, I like that team a lot. If you told me they were, you know, cutting down nets in New Orleans, it, it would not be a surprise. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Uh, let's tour around here. Iowa gets its first quad one win, 75-62 over Ohio State. Keegan Murray goes for 24. E.J. Liddell only had 15. Impressive win, like wire-to-wire win on the road. Uh, big one for Iowa there. Are they in your rankings or no? Iowa? Yeah. No. Okay. Well, just I did I didn't know with the, with the win and the win. I mean, it's, a nice, it's, it's obviously a nice win, but yeah. I mean that's the first one. I know. No, just I'm, again, sometimes people are listening on Monday and they might not have checked. So I want. Yeah. No, I was on my radar because of the computer numbers, um, but again, I I mostly rank on body of work, and their body of work is not top twenty six in the country right now. 
Okay. Arkansas is the team that didn't make the top 16 reveal on Saturday. That would be in best position now to do it. 21 and six got a home win over Tennessee, a bit of an ugly game, but they got the win. Arkansas as previously mentioned about what, 20 minutes ago, whatever, or 15 minutes ago, they're going to play at Florida on Tuesday. I'll preview the Monday and Tuesday slate for you in just a second here. Uh, Illinois won at Michigan State. Michigan State made it close late. Tyson Walker finally had like a huge game, but Illinois holds on and in doing so keeps pace, at least in the Big Ten. Michigan State's hopes of finishing atop the Big Ten ledger, even if it would be in a shared fashion, is done. Uh, Sparty is nine and six in the league. Meantime, you've got Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin tied with four league losses overall. Kofi Coburn maintains his case. Uh, for first team All American and, and National Player of the Year, Chase, you just again we have we have such a crowded field for this, and I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, UConn won 72-61 over Xavier. Xavier is still okay, but like it's really slipping here. Uh, but I wanted just to bring this up because James Booknight was courtside, <laughs> and he got ejected. Now I still don't know what he got ejected for. I didn't have the volume on that TV, and there was just so much going on. I didn't I didn't follow up. Um, but then he just, he just, you know, instead <laughs> the, the official kicks him out. So he starts making his way up and then he dips right into the, right into the student section. I actually have, I can't share it on the pod cause I haven't like shared it, but not, a, I had uh, two people direct message me photos of them hanging out with book in the student. Cause I asked, I want video or photos of this is actually true. Cause a buddy of mine who was at the game said, Book night got kicked out and instead he walked right into the student section. And I said, this is uh, awesome, but you better not be lying to me. And so then I sent out a tweet. Can I get evidence of this? And sure enough, James book night, who's an NBA player. It's all-star weekend. He wasn't in any of the festivities. Uh, I thought that was a, just a, just a power movement. Did you happen to see that? I did. If you're an official, like, don't you just have to, I like, I get it. He was on the court with his phone. I get it. It's also James Book Night. Don't you just have to say, yo, man, you don't, don't like sit down and don't make me do anything. Don't just, don't you have to have a little more patience with James Book Night than just your random idiot fan? <laughs> I, I would think so. I, I don't, I, I still don't know what even, like, why it happened the way it happened, but uh, I don't know. By the way, I got to give our guy Chris Hassel some love here. So he's on the call for UAB North Texas, previewed on the Friday show. Hopefully this isn't too loud, too soft here. Here's how North Texas extended its winning streak. Chris Hassel again on the call. Switch. Big one little here. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. 2.4 left. Walker's got it. He'll launch from half court. And North Texas. Jelly for the championship. Run the streak to a dozen. That's what that was. Yes, it, it was, was. It was, it was that. jelly for the championship. Jelly for the championship. Great call, Hassel. Uh, avid listener of the pod and did a great job there. North Texas will be getting love in this week's court report. I'm scheduled to talk with Coach Grant McCaslin, who, by the way, as just as an aside, I was looking, I was looking this up. This will be in the court report. Grant McCaslin, former Baylor assistant, has been with North Texas since 2017. He got promoted, he got the job after spending a year at Arkansas State. 20, 21, 21, 20. 18 a season ago in a shortened season and one over Purdue in upset fashion. Now at 20 and four um, might be a prime candidate for a bigger job uh, this off season. We'll see. Or this upcoming March, I should say we'll see uh, elsewhere around uh, Carolina gets a win. Carolina quad one quad one win for the quad one Warriors. Quad one Carolina. So, Hey, listen, it's, it's a start. I did write last week on the dribble handoff that UNC would make the tournament. And then I think it was after that, that UNC <laughs> next night lost a pit. Lost at Pitt. 
at home. So we'll see if I wind up being uh, brutally wrong on that or not. By the way, LSU lost by 14. It had a 14-point lead. It lost that lead, lost to South Carolina. Uh, bubble results in general that we haven't touched on. Bubble good. Wake Forest beat Notre Dame. That's good for Wake. That's kind of a double bubble game. Bad for the Irish. Wake Forest is clearly a tournament team as of right now. North Texas, I mentioned. I think North Texas is actually has a bubble case at this point with that win. Uh, they might not need it, but I think they've got a serious, a serious uh, bubble resume at this point. Davidson beat St. Louis. Not much of a bubble team, but like if you lost it, you would have been. And then Florida beats Auburn. The bad loss is Oklahoma to Iowa State. TCU lost to Baylor. Their case is getting a little bit slippery. Um, a quasi-double bubble game? Quasi. Miami lost at home to Virginia. Virginia now has swept Miami. It's going to play Duke later this week. Uh, we'll preview that on the Wednesday pod because that's a Wednesday game. Virginia's one win away from like, okay, we really got to talk about the Wahoo. So we'll wait and see. And then Loyola, Chicago, man. Well, two of them. By, BYU lost at St. Mary's. BYU's not in the field right now. I, I actually think BYU needs to win every game until the WCC title game at minimum. They have an at-large case. If you really peel back on that resume, uh, that's an important one. Then Loyola, Chicago. Just real quick on this. So Loyola, Chicago loses at home to Drake. This is Loyola Chicago's resume right now. They were like they were safely in the field in the eyes of some going into this weekend. Parrish, I'm not I'm not so sure about that. They're, all right, here are the metrics, all of them as of Sunday night. Net 37, KPI 57, and strength of record 46. That's just resume overall. If you're not top 40 in resume, you're you're already battling an uphill climb. Predictives, they're they're good, but they're not that great. The best of them is Ken Palm, 36, 38 in BPI. 45th and Sagarin. Loyola's best win is over San Francisco, which projects as an NCAA tournament team right now, but isn't a lock. Other than that, it doesn't have like a high mark win. It's it's done decently enough, but I don't I don't know, Parrish. It's it's two and two in quad one, two and three in quad two to be four and five in quad one and two. We've gotten a little bit accustomed to this program obviously being relevant, one of the better mid majors, but I almost wonder if there's a, a reverse like situation going on where we almost give it the benefit of the doubt because of the name if it was frankly if this was illinois state instead of loyola chicago they're not even close to the tournament discussion i don't think so i thought that loss to drake was pretty costly if i'm drew valentine and the ramblers like i don't mess around i make i make the missouri valley championship game without a loss between here and there at minimum in order to even allow yourself to be in that conversation yeah uh they put themselves in a they like the problem playing in a league like that is that when you take these quad three losses, which is what this was, right? You can't make up for it. Like if you, t- I mean, we saw Rutgers go from a million miles off the bubble to on the right side of the bubble in two weeks. Why? Because they were just went quad one, quad one, quad one, quad one. You can do that in the Big Ten. You can't do that in the NBC. And so, I mean, the the problem for a team like that is that. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. On Monday, they got Illinois at Illinois State, quad three, quad four um, against Evansville after that, and then a quad two game against Northern Iowa to close the regular season. So you don't really have – the Northern Iowa game can help you, I guess. Like, I don't even look at quad three wins and quad four wins. It's like they don't matter. Yeah, you just they can't don't lose the game. You can't yeah, lose they them. They don't matter. They literally don't matter. In terms of, like, if you're building a resume, they do, they have no value. None. Yeah, right. I don't even look at them. Like, if you ask me right now, how many quad three wins does – I have no idea. I don't even look at them. The only time quad three and quad four games matter to your resume is if they're losses. And so when you take one, you you got to be able to make up for it. And when you're in a league like this, there's really not a – 
there's not really great places to make up for it. I would uh, I would advise them not to lose again. I, I agree. I think BYU and Loyola Chicago were the two teams that lost on Saturday who I would advise not to lose again. And if you lose again, it better be the last game possible to even make it a make it a chance. And that's in your conference championship games. One other thing from Saturday, I put Darius McGee on the uh, one of the college all star uh, teams that we did for a little fun exercise. If you haven't listened, go back and listen. He promptly dropped 39 against Stetson. So uh, certainly living up to the billing there. And then on Sunday, uh, SMU rolled Memphis Tigers, uh, you know, the, you know, we're done. Um, Creighton won over Marquette, eighty-three, eighty-two. Blue Jays, like they're get, they're there. They're they're kind of getting there, man. They've Lost won five starters. Yes, and now they've won five in a row. They're get they're just, they're they're introducing themselves to the conversation. That's all. Like Marquette's kind of sliding right now. Lost uh, what four of its past six, and one of those wins was at home against Georgetown. Creighton, I don't know how many of the Big East is getting Parish. We'll probably get into that as we get closer to March. But I, you know. It went under the radar because everything did on Sunday with what we saw happen there. But between that and then you mentioned the Houston game, um, just a couple of intriguing results. Houston getting that awesome, awesome, awesome double to overtime win in dramatic fashion I thought was pretty good. All right. You want to tell us what we got to look forward to on Monday, Tuesday? Indeed. Um, so Monday is mostly slow. Uh, you've just got like you've got Baylor at Oklahoma State at nine o'clock. You've got Indiana at Ohio State, which is at seven on FS1. That's the best game to keep an eye out for. North UNC is at home against Louisville. So it's one of those like, don't give us a reason to talk about you, Carolina. Just go win at home as you're supposed to do. Get the win because a loss is obviously highly damaging. But otherwise, it the game to watch is Indiana at Ohio State. Uh, Indiana's um, both these teams are actually kind of licking their wounds a bit right now. And then on Tuesday, and oh, by the way, before we get before we get out of here, Paris is going <laughs> to, I don't know the story either. I'm, I'm eager to hear why the hell your phone is in New Jersey right now. On Tuesday, um, Villanova plays at UConn at 8 o'clock, but you've also, before that at 7, you've got Arkansas against Florida, which is pretty intriguing. San Diego State, Boise State at 9 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Parrish will be in studio for CBS Sports Network. Uh, San Diego State also got a good bubble win over the weekend against Fresno State. It's won five in a row. That's good for the Mountain West. That's a very good Mountain West game. Again, that's on CBS Sports Network Tuesday at 9 o'clock. And then you've got Michigan State going against Iowa. That's a 7 o'clock tip there. Um, Iowa can, you know, that's a quad one opportunity, certainly a, a good opportunity for them. So that's what to watch for on Tuesday. We'll, of course, be back here on Wednesday morning to recap everything. And I think that's all we got from a college basketball perspective. Now it's time to hand the mic back over to GP because, um, well, well, actually, one more thing, one more promo thing. Uh, Parrish and I are going to be on, I think we're going to be on Andy Katz's March Madness podcast. So you're going to get us again on Monday, if you'd like, in a different format venue it'll be available at some point on monday if you're unfamiliar with it go find it we're gonna we're gonna talk with ak about all that stuff that'll be on monday so even more podcast goodness with us if you'd like and now you need to explain why the hell you're talking to us from a new york city hotel room and once we're done podcasting here you have to go leave and go into new jersey to retrieve a cell phone what a nightmare why is life so hard so Everything's going well today. I got to the airport early, um, stress-free. And it's not always stress-free, me getting to the airport, because I'm always doing a million things, and I'm often cutting it too close. And my wife and kids take me to the airport, drop me off. Stress-free. Everything's good. Get on a flight. Perfect flight. Everything's good. Get in the car. Brings me straight to my hotel. Couldn't have been more pleasant. Mm. I travel with a lot of stuff. When did you I, have know? Ra- I have a radio equipment, podcasting equipment. 
I'm a three bag traveler, garment bag, suitcase, and then radio equipment case. So I got a lot going on. As we're approaching the hotel, the gentleman, my driver, um, he needed me to sign something because we have a we have a car service picks us up. And sometimes you have to sign something. Other times you don't. I have no idea why. Sometimes the drivers say, hey, I need you to sign this. And other times they don't ever say a word to you. I, I don't know why one is one and the other is the other. But this gentleman, he said, can you can you sign this uh, for me, please? I said, of course. So I set my phone down, signed it, got out of the car, got my bags, went to check into the hotel and went, son of a... I recognized it immediately. Ran back outside. He's gone, baby, gone. And what you have to understand about my phone situation is my phone is not just my phone. My phone is my wallet. It has my credit cards, driver's license. Yeah, you got that. You got that great little, uh, you got that. I did not think about this when I knew. Yeah, you got that great little holder case deal. This is a problem for you. What are you doing here right now? Why are we podcasting? I have no phone, no driver's license, no credit card. Like, if it weren't for the fact that I stay here every week and the people at the front desk know me, I wouldn't have even been able to check in. What if they we were got, just? What if we got Jersey <laughs> listeners right now who did not like our Joan Howard segment and they're just on the run? They're just, they're just looking for it right now. Like, <laughs> like, like I go back, I go to the front desk at the hotel and they're like, uh, Mr. Parrish, they're, they're great. And I'm here every, like they actually do know me. Hey, good to see you again. I said, hey, I got a problem. I just left my phone which is my wallet in the car. I don't have a credit card. I don't have a driver's license. I don't have anything. And they were like, well, we'll just check you in. And you can bring us, you know, what, you know, let us swipe a card later. Perfect. But uh, <laughs> like, they, God bless them, by the way. Because what happens if they just say, if I'm just a random and they're like, you can't check in without an ID and a credit card. Well, I'd just be, I'd be homeless right now. I'd be on the streets of Manhattan. So, um, I was, I was literally about to, just, I was just about to say podcasting from your cell phone. That's not true. No, you do not have it. I don't have it. So, um, I reached out to our travel coordinator who, uh, is awesome. Shouts to Chinadu. And, uh, I was like, yo, man, here's the deal. I don't even know how to get in touch with this guy. Can you tell to help me get in touch with him? So he gets in touch with him. The driver is awesome, but he lives in New Jersey, 45 minutes from this hotel. And Chinadu was like, because um, I texted him. I can text from my computer, but cannot FaceTime or anything like that, best I can tell. And so I uh, I, I texted like, Chinadu. That's a good question. Sorry to interrupt. I, can, yeah. you, can you only FaceTime or call if the phone is within range? That's a good I think, question. I think it's got to be connected to the same Wi-Fi. There we go. Cause like for the first time ever, I had to like text my wife and say, um, "Hey, if you need me, you're gonna have to call the hotel room, whatever, because I don't have a phone. Uh, so if you need me for any reason, just I call the hotel like just, it's night, like it's 1986." Just to recap, this is now two times in the past two months. One time, your wife gets a call. From someone on Instagram, a woman who has DM'd you. <laughs> she made weed cookies. And now you have called your wife to say, "Babe, I don't, I don't have my phone anymore, so you might not be able to get a hold of me." Unless, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hell of a deal. So, um, so I've got to take a car. 
I got to take a car to New Jersey, except how do you even get an Uber with no phone? <laughs> it's a, it's a hell of a deal. I done found myself in. So what do you, so what are you doing? Somebody is suggesting. So I, so Chinadu, God bless him. He was like, uh, I, I texted him and I said, Hey man, have you heard anything back about my phone? He said, yeah, it's in, <laughs> let me get you the exact place. No, I wouldn't say the exact place on a live podcast. Let me well, just, I'm not gonna say, I'm not, just the city. The just man the city. who who has very strict principles about extortion. Let me just let me just protect you against yourself. It's in a place called Carteret, New Jersey. Do you know that place? I, I don't even need to know if you had to go that far with this. It's in it's 45 minutes from here. So I, I text Tinder. I'm like, uh, yo, have you heard anything about my phone? And he said, uh, yeah. He said, I'm about to go get it. What should I have done right there? Because what I did was, he said, I'm going to go get it and bring it to you. Ooh. Which sounded awesome. <laughs> but then I was like, this is this dude's day off. Yeah, it's not his problem. It's not. That's what I told him. I said, man, this is not the way you're going to spend your day off going to fetch in my if phone. If you do that, you're buying him a $500 gift certificate to like a super nice steakhouse kind of deal. That's, that's the trade-off if he does it. That's what you got to do. Okay, well, I told him no. I said, I'm not, I don't want you spending your Sunday going and getting my phone because I'm an idiot. I'll go handle this. And then I Google mapped it. And I'm like, God, damn, 45 minutes. To, like, it's, it's not, it's about to be nine o'clock at night. I got a million things to do. So somebody in the comments here just, just suggested I text the driver. He's a driver. Probably coming back into Manhattan tomorrow, right? Text him, and, like that. text him and text him and pay him to bring me my phone tomorrow at some point. You can. That's another option. You have. Do you have? I can, the I can spend do you have the driver's hours. number, or are you texting your own phone, hoping the driver reads the text message saying, no, "Hey, no, no, I've got the driver's number. I got the Chinadu got fetch the driver's yeah, number. Cool. I got the driver's number. I've been texting with the driver tonight. I told him I was like, I can't be there till about nine forty-five tonight. Is that too late? He was like, No, it's fine. Is it in my best interest? to save two hours of real time tonight, mm -hmm. watch the All-Star game, watch Euphoria, shouts to Sydney Sweeney, and um, pay the driver tomorrow to bring it to me. What do I need my phone for tonight? Famous last words, right? I mean, well, I'm not going anywhere. I think, I think I'm on to something here. All I right. think I paid a guy. To, again, though, you got, yes, you have to pay the driver I mean, we're talking. So you're saying he brings it in tomorrow when he's already going to be driving into the city anyway. I'm assuming he's he we're works assuming. for a car service. He's got to be coming back to Manhattan tomorrow. It's his job. Keep it's, in mind, it's, Uber, it's, Uber there, Uber back is probably going to be 150 total. Something you're like paying that. this driver minimum 250 to bring you your phone, though. Minimum. That's I what think, you should be doing. Minimum. I think you pay the driver. Yeah. Oh, you pay the yeah, I pay the drive. But I'm talking minimum two fifty. Two fifty. I, I, I probably go at least. I I probably go at least three. He's yeah. already in Manhattan. No, 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 no. He's retrieving your phone. You're paying him minimum two fifty. Go three. Yeah. Or you go get it tonight, and you still got to do something for this guy. It's not just I, your I, phone. I, I, your I, there, is, there is no denying I'm going to pay him, and and pay him, uh, pay him well. But is two fifty really what it costs to get this done? If it is, it is. It's fine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, That's I'd be interested in what people in the comments think. If two fifty is right, 
If it is, it is. Not as says two fifty is a bargain. Bargain. I'm telling you. He has my. Let, let me tell you everything he has right now. He has my license, my CBS ID, my American Express card, my debit card, my Marriott card. I'm not. I'm not going. And my to, actual I'm phone. Going, I'm not going tonight with all that. I can't. That's me. But if you can, more power to you. I mean, it's already nine. It's about to be nine o'clock at night. I can text, so I can communicate with people through my computer. And if I'm going to have it back at noon tomorrow anyway, what's the difference? All right. All right. Yeah, I ain't going to New Jersey tonight. That's, okay, that's Dennis, a- Dennis been decided. <laughs> I hope this better have a happy ending. This better have a happy ending. This guy's Seems got like a- your life in his hands. What a mess. What a mess I find myself in. Why do I keep complicating my life? This when could have been no Juwan Howard, Greg Gard. We're in and out in 45 minutes. You're halfway to Jersey already. It's not how it went down, though. Thanks a lot, Big Ten coaches. You ready to get out of here? Let's go. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Leon Morris, legend. <laughs> Leon Morris, he's a legend. Russell Steinberg, who's great, who hops in the chat here, goes, sounds like a good opportunity to extort Gary Barrett. It's wild that things get flipped around on me. 100% correct. Oh, that's so good, Russ. I got it's It's all flipped around on me. Shouts to Larnell and shouts to Eric Liss. Let me tell you about Eric Liss. Got a message a few months ago from his girlfriend, Carol Ann. And uh, she said her boyfriend, Eric, turning 22... On 2-22-22. How about that? And she had asked, and they was in conversations, like, hey, what, what do you want for your birthday? And he said the only thing he wants for his birthday is a shout-out on the Island College Basketball Podcast. So she set out to see if she could make that happen. Because she's sweet. And so she reached out, given that I'm the one that does the shout-outs, she reached go. out to me, and I said, you know what? Carol Han, I have the power to do that. Just please remind me. <laughs> The weekend before 22 because there's no chance I'll remember this. I can't even keep up with my phone. And so she reached out over the weekend and reminded me. And uh, so here we are. Shouts to Eric Liss, who is uh, from Chicago. There we go. Go Bears. Student at Missouri and loves UCLA and Mick Cronin. I don't know how all that works. I don't know how all that goes together. I'm, uh, I think we should just take the credit for Cronin UCLA. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he probably didn't even know until he listened to this podcast. So, so shouts to Eric and shouts to Carol Ann. Hope you guys are having a wonderful night. By the, uh, again, thank you to uh, the, the most well-behaved comment section in the history of this podcast. Just flawless, right? Not well, a, hold on. I keep <laughs> seeing things at the bottom. I don't even know what this means. But I kept seeing things, and it was like so-and-so's been blocked for five minutes. What has to happen to make that happen? Yeah, exactly. Nada, talk to me about what, what goes on when you're blocking people. Look, when we start bringing up uh, 25, 30-year-old trials, and we start saying people are part of the jury, yeah, that, that, that'll, that'll get you blocked. <laughs> I never know what's going on with those comments. In all, in all sincerity, appreciate you nada and uh to the majority of people in the comment section you made it fun and i i apparently this was one of our most watched episodes which is no surprise because 
you've got a Howard thing that's going to inflame the, the masses. Let's get the hell out of here. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Just got dumber tonight. All I had to do was pick up my phone. All I had to do was pick up my phone. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anyway. Subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave five stars at both over at Apple. Leave a nice review. Like, write some words. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't ever forget that. There's more of us than there are of them. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button. Brandon Davies, you know he would do it. And if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please knock that out. God willing, I'll have my phone back at some point in the next 24 hours. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday. Till then, take care. What a night. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.